0: Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the diet, frozen yogurt bar it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. to another amazing episode of the coffee and comics podcast i'm your host the constantly caffeinated glenn Robinson. i'm sure your spidey sense is tingling for the latest episode because this one is full of thrills adventure and of course lots of danger speaking of danger i'd like to welcome back returning guest to the show Greg rougeo greg how are you Pretty good, but shouldn't this be a spectacular
1: episode, not an amazing episode?
0: Well, if you're going to get into semantics already, nitpick. Oh, okay, well, it's a spectacular episode. When you bring me onto the show, this is the type of stuff you get Gregor Rougeau, the spectacular co host. Said by nobody else, ever. <laughs> I'm going to get Sean to say it. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> you hear that, Sean? Well, you're like one for three on your appearances here, Greg. You were less than thrilled with Pride of the X-Men, and I'm pretty sure the Silver Age almost broke your spirit. You're also forgetting
1: the Incredible Hulk episode that we did. Well, you know, that's that's your one for three. So, yep. Uh, the, 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 the Silver Age story didn't necessarily break me, but it made me very, very... Very angry. <laughs> and Pride of the X Men was okay. I still feel it's okay.
0: See that? We're barely into it and we've already, we're, we're, we're bordering on the Gregor Rougeau fine already.
1: But uh, but I did like The Incredible Hulk. It was a nice issue. And, you know, I feel like, because the issue we're going to talk about today has the same writer, so I think
0: you're bringing me on whenever you want to talk about him. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe we could just consider this your comeback special. Hey, that'll work. Get your Elvis jumpsuit ready. And- I was going to say,
1: ready? You make it sound like I'm not already wearing it.
0: <laughs> Oh. Well, listeners, that means... We are not going to ignore anything else here. We're going to bring you this spectacular episode. Not an amazing episode. A spectacular episode. And what what else do you have on a spectacular episode but Spider-Man? And not just any Spider-Man. This is Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 21. Cover dated August 1978. Which means Greg was... Somewhere. Nine years old, so you nine years so old. So you were totally buying well, this off the stands.
1: Well, it was given it. it I think what my parents gave it to me to shut me up on a car ride or a shopping trip or something. But well, if it was cover dated, I was eight or nine years old. Yep, depending upon you know, spinnerack being what the spinnerack was. But yep, I definitely had this when it was fresh off the printer.
0: All righty. Okay, well, this issue is titled Still Crazy After All These Years. Writer Bill Mantlo, which, as we already know, Greg approves. Yep. Pencils by Jim Mooney, so no Bushima Punches here. No, but I still like Jim Mooney. Inks by Longbox Crusade favorite Mike Esposito. I don't have the music, so. <laughs> Colors by Don Warfield. Letters by Joe Rosen. And the editor was everybody's perennial favorite, Jim Shooter.
1: Oh, but he's a... I've, I've told my, my Jim Shooter story. He's a nice enough fellow, one-on-one.
0: I just don't know that I'd like to work for him.
1: Well, yeah, I think, you know, his people... Man, his Skills um, might leave a little to be desired, but you know he righted the ship when he needed to. It just maybe stayed along on a little bit too long and felt like his that he should be taking the credit for things that were going on at Marvel that were not necessarily him.
0: Isn't that every boss ever? No, I try not to be that way. <laughs> but what about your boss? No, 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 no. We're not here to talk about work. Well, he's going to say, if if we were talking
1: last year, that would have been one story. This year's a different. Uh.
0: Alrighty. Well, in all fairness, before I dive into this little synopsis, I am borrowing heavily from the Marvel Fandom wiki page, mostly because I've been a little too busy to write, and not so mostly because I was a little lazy. <laughs> All righty, so the Scorpion has been wandering the sewers of New York. He finally decides to get revenge against J. Jonah Jameson, who he blames for making him a monster. And keep in mind, folks, this is 70s Scorpion, not a 90s Scorpion. So meanwhile, Spider-Man returns home to his apartment, changing into the civilian guise of Peter Parker... Just in time to catch Mary Jane. The two talk about Mary Jane's declining of Peter's proposal for marriage and their feelings for each other before they go visiting Aunt May in the hospital. Because where else would Aunt May be during (laughs) this era after her second heart attack? Elsewhere, Hector and Holly try to have a night out. However, Hector's newfound popularity now that he's been revealed as the White Tiger, causes friction between the two, prompting Holly to leave Hector with his legion of fans. Meanwhile, the Scorpion has tracked down the lab where he originally got his powers way back in Amazing Spider-Man number 20. He uses the devices to revitalize himself so that he can get revenge on Jameson, And when he attacks the Daily Bugle building, Peter is there looking for a new assignment. Because of course he is. Peter needs money. Peter loves taking pictures. I don't know if either of those is true. He just (laughs) happens to be in the right place at the wrong time. So while everyone is focusing on the Scorpion, Peter manages to slip away and change into Spider-Man and battle the Scorpion. After a lengthy battle, which pretty much sums up this book spider-man learns that the scorpion is there because he blames jameson for making him into a monster spider-man fights him to a standstill and unmasks the scorpion to show him that he is still human with the battle over spider-man turns the scorpion over to the police and leaves the scene with jameson cursing spider-man once more for getting involved in his affairs so we'll take a quick break for a short promo, and be right back.
1: In a world filled with movie-themed podcasts, thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeff and present, it is The Era of Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout? Yes.
0: Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. (laughs) dun 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 -dun. monthly Monday movie muck about. Watch a movie with me. Okay, so thanks for sticking with us. I hope I didn't bore Greg to tears with that little synopsis. Oh, no, no. You summed it up quite well. (laughs) Uh people on the internet summed it up very well i just read (laughs) well you read really well yay all that schooling paid off (laughs) i have to say i
1: like this comic i like this comic a lot
0: (laughs) me too i've actually really enjoyed this is actually probably my first spidey comic ever well, I can't even necessarily track down what my what
1: ground zero is for Spider Man. But I mean, I've always had kind of a fondness for Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider Man. I think even like the issue issue number three with the Lightmaster, who is like one of my favorite spider-man villains for some reason um he and will of the wisp from the 70s both light-based superhero villains from the 70s go figure from about the same time yet was my introduction to the series you know Spinnerack being what it was i would pick up spectacular spider-man whenever it just happened to you know our paths would cross but yeah as i said i i got this one at the uh at the you know right around the, the publication date and you know was instantly enthralled with it
0: see i got this like packaged in a box of high c you know, drink pouches wow yeah it was actually sort of digest size like six by four wow i didn't realize that the, there was a version of that like that that would have been i would have drank more fruit punch <laughs> yeah and i mean it's weird there were four of them altogether. Uh, number three that you had already mentioned, 1920 and 21. Wow. Yeah. The only one I ever had was 21 though. So, but
1: uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is like a quintessential, if you were going to like want to encapsulate a seventies Spider-Man comic, this is probably like almost the quintessential one. I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's missing Ross Andrew. Um, some pencils from the seventies, but you have Mike Esposito's inks, which you know he's he's fluctuating between both titles uh, from time to time, and you know it's like um, he almost creates a 70s spider Spider-Man house style.
0: Well, not just that. I mean, you've got every element of a, a quintessential Spidey story here, pretty oh, much. Absolutely, Peter Peter down on his luck, Peter on it on the ouch romantically. Uh, Ant-Man in the hospital, some strange, you know... Money, yeah, money problems, Jonah being Jonah. Mm-hmm. You've got... An extra um, plot with characters that aren't Peter or Mary Jane.
1: And it does a really
0: good job. Matlow does a really good job of, like, juggling these
1: various subplots. They don't feel intrusive. They're, like, on the... Peter's on his way from, from the apartment to the daily bugle and every one of these people are people that he meets and yep we go from mary jane we go to hector and hector's problems kind of in a way mirror you know his relationship problems with mary jane and then goes you know he runs into flash thompson and flash thompson's subplot is you know being tidied up because it was something earlier you know a few issues earlier and then right into the the meat of the issue with the, the bugle
0: See, I kind of want like an Electric Company, Sesame Street crossover at this point because then, then we could have <laughs> Spider-Man just walking along and everybody saying who are the people in your neighborhood.
1: Well, either that or we could have had Easy Reader make a cameo appearance. That would have been – that would have you know made it even more 70s. We can't afford Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Maybe you can afford 1970s Morgan Freeman.
0: And and that's a thought, because I'm sure, you know, the electric company probably wasn't paying too much.
1: It was public television, so their budget was probably limited. Still, it is a killer's row of people that were on that show.
0: (laughs) That it is.
1: Oh, man. So... So the one thing about this issue that, I, that surprised me coming back to it, it was, I thought the Scorpion was a bigger deal.
0: See, that's me too. Like, I remember I the Scorpion really thought being a big deal for huh, Spider-Man, you know? I, I mean, and
1: I, you know, as is my want, I went and did some research and say, well, this guy obviously made like 100 appearances between Spider-Man number 20 and, and this one. I mean, we're talking, it's been, you know, at least... 15 years or so and no dudes only made 10 appearances between his appear- first first appearance in the in spider-man 20 and and this issue and half or, or, or 10 appearances and half of them are maybe in a spider-man title wow it's like what and he shows up like he was you know you could set your clock he'll show up every couple of years the his previous one is mentioned in this issue was in, an issue of Ms. Marvel and that was two years prior jeez that Wow, blowing my mind because it's weird. I love the character. I love the look. I like the, you know, who amongst us wouldn't want to have a cybernetic <laughs> tail that you know to to smash things that uh, get in our way?
0: Mm-hmm. See, I I don't know. I've always loved the Scorpion from seeing him on the cartoon as a kid. to, oh. you know, reading this to me, he's he should be like the backup substitute for one of the characters in the sinister six you know
1: yeah i don't uh, yeah what's the other kind of thing that struck me as i was reading this like hey they got two future venoms in this
0: (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) i hadn't considered that but no you're not wrong and, you know, I'm not a
1: huge fan of, A, I'm not a huge fan of Venom, so you probably just lost, you know, half your, your listeners with that revelation. But I really didn't like Venom when it was either Scorpion
0: or Flash Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I, I can probably, like, count ten, at best, uh, Venom stories that I would really, like, you know, say were keepers, but...
1: Yeah. But and and then if you want to stretch things even a little bit further, you can even say that when Jonah Jameson is talking about the person who took the photo that he you know you should take photos like this. Hell that's probably Eddie Brock.
0: (laughs) You're blowing my mind, Gregor Rougeau.
1: (laughs) Hey, well, that's what you get when you when you book me. (laughs) But yeah, the, the only other thing that I was thinking about this is, like, he thinks he's stuck in his costume, and I think, gee, christmas he must stink the high hell.
0: Well, yeah, the more I think about that, it, it starts to be one of those, like, superhero physics things, like, well, then how does he go to the bathroom?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It gets stored in his tail.
1: <laughs> how do you think it gets powered?
0: And I mean, I guess as far as, like, sliding timeline, he's probably... Actually, been the Scorpion for like what a year, two maybe. Uh, that's
1: that's that's a good point. I mean, well, he was in high school when he met him, so I mean, yeah, sliding scale. It's like, well, three or four maybe. It just kind of depends upon where Peter is in his college years, but. Sophomore? I don't know. I gave up trying to figure that out once once the sliding timescale became a
0: thing. <laughs> oh, man. Plus, it, it really makes me wonder, like, when exactly he got it in his head that he just absolutely could not get out of the costume.
1: Well, I think it had to do with the Battle of Ms. Marvel. He was, like, doused with acid, and I guess Marvel-brand acid... Fuses you to your costume or something. I, I don't know. But I guess we're not supposed to think about it too much, other than you know. As I said, I like the scorpion. I like his. I I like his motivation because it's not necessarily curse you, Spider Man. It's like I want to kill you, J. Jonah Jameson, for making
0: me Mm -hmm. this way. Well, plus, yeah, Matt Gargan's never exactly been the brightest bulb. No, he
1: was like a third-rate PI, a private investigator.
0: I guess as far he's kind of on that same mental level as like Parasite over in DC. You yeah, he, I mean he's a little bit, he's a little bit better than the Ox <laughs> on in the the uh, uh, the Enforcers. It, it's one of those like, well, you were dumb enough to let somebody make you into a supervillain, but you were smart enough to know that money makes the world go round. I guess. I mean, well, he was
1: smart enough to work the equipment in the lab, which I guess we're not supposed to think about too much.
0: I kind of get the feeling he just like kept pulling switches until something shocked <laughs> him. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> he does know where the Daily Bugle is, though, so. He, well, he, he can read a map.
1: Well, in in the Marvel universe, the New York City is probably about three blocks. <laughs> Down the street is the Baxter Building, and up the other street is Avengers Mansion. Yeah. Somewhere in the shadows is Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, something like that. In know, one of the alleys between the one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I would have to say, you know, Matlow and Jim Mooney put together a pretty interesting fight. They 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 handicapped. Uh, spider-man by by not having his web shooters because in pure uh peter parker luck he accidentally dropped them on the roof
0: or the cartridges Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that always kept coming up in the cartoon back back in the day though you know everything's fine oh no i'm out of web fluid well, it's not unlike, say, Green Lantern running
1: out of, you know, his uh, power because the 24 hours are up or Aquaman, you know, having whatever, can't stay out of water for a more than an hour or whatever it was. And having that kind of a limitation, I mean, it's definitely better than, say,
0: organic web shooters or something like that. And I'm glad nobody ever did that. Hey, hey, to be fair, that works very well in 2099. Well we still got about what, 70 years to worry about oh, that oh yeah i don't plan on being around to see all those <laughs> <laughs> genetic freaks <laughs> spider dna oh <sighs> but
1: but definitely yeah matlo did a great job with this and you know once again he proves why he's my my the patron saint for lazy sunday afternoon comics yeah.
0: And that pretty much sums up what this is. This is God, this would be pretty much your poster boy for a lazy Sunday comic.
1: Oh yeah, it's a, it's a solid story. It's, you know, it's unless you're an impressionable 8 9-year-old kid, uh you know, you're probably going to forget about it in a week or so that you ever kind of read it, but it was a good reading experience and at the end of the day, I mean, it's a it, it, it's not a home run by any stretch of the imagination but not every you know we kind of get in the feeling that every book should be the home run this is a solid double
0: you know you pretty much summed up my childhood with this book i would read it and then about a week later forget i had read it and it would suddenly like disappear in the mix of everything else in my room and i'd rediscover it again about another six to eight months later and it's like oh i forgot i had this oh yeah the yeah, is this- in this yeah i think you know it was kind of the same way when
1: i found this issue you know i obviously it was i it didn't last <laughs> that from when i originally read it to to today I've, I've picked it up you know in a back issue bin but obviously when i saw it in the back issue it's like hey yeah i remember this one and it, you know i had the same basic you know same 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 experience reading it then that now that that uh, as i did then it's just grand you know it got managed to get through the the cynicism and kind of the yeah the just the f- being old now but yeah i still still enjoyed it quite a bit
0: and the best part is this really doesn't even suffer from being a 40 year old comic no
1: in a lot of ways you know it there's a few dated there's some some things that date it but it could easily be you know, a, a non-continuity type basic Spider-Man story that you, you, know, you can find anywhere, anytime. And you know, he's not he's not an Avenger or whatever his current status quo happens to be. I've kind of stopped reading Spider-Man com- current Spider-Man comics. I, I should probably change that, but uh, I have many more comics to
0: read yeah. <laughs> before I get there. Yeah, I mean, you could essentially redraw this, clean up whatever. References to pop culture might have been in the story that nobody would get. You know, just change it to something new, and you could really just market something like this endlessly. Oh yeah, actually, it's it's in a minute. This is it. It's the quintessential
1: S- Spider-Man story. Some subplots to carry it forward. Which are not necessarily intrusive. sometimes when you try to do a B story, it you can you feel like the momentum of the story stops where we're talking about the B story. It's everything kind of flows nicely and it's a nice it's a nice comic.
0: <laughs> so obviously, I don't think we're gonna find anything bad to say about this. Well, I did see notice some
1: printing errors in my copy, but. Oh, just kind of smudges. It happens. And this copy was a reading, obviously a reading copy, so the cover's not necessarily attached to the body of the, the comic. So once again, not deal breakers. Actually, that might improve the 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 uh, the, the experience. Yeah. Okay, I can
0: see kind of what you're saying. There's a few of them where like looks like water dropped on the the,
1: the film or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a few a few word bubbles that might have a missing letter or two.
1: Yeah, it's something I probably would have talked to somebody about at the, the printing press to find out what happened. But, you know, once again, it kind of makes it an interesting relic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes
1: it a thing of its time. Oh, yeah, that's – I read – you know, I read a lot of comics. Is people who follow me on Twitter will attest. Like, do you do anything else, Greg? Man, <laughs> yeah, but, but, and I read a lot of them digitally because through you know subscriptions to Marvel Unlimited and um, DC, the DC Universe app. But I'll tell you, there's something about actually having the physical back, physical copy of the, the back issue with you know with the printing errors and. Um, even folded pages or, or reading copies that have the, the cover partially attached to the, the rest of the comic or all of that.
0: Yeah, and if this is finally up on Marvel Unlimited. It took them forever. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's weird. The, the Spectacular Spider-Man
0: is a weird,
1: weird blank... Uh, uh, empty spot on their coverage it's it goes up to like 50 and then stops and picks up again at critical points in like the obviously you're gonna have the sin eater story in but there's like a stretch with the when he's in his relationship with a black cat that isn't in there and i've been truth be told i I am reading rereading spectacular spider-man and amazing spider-man from the 70s like when i started reading these issues these these series back when i was young and um yeah i'm not looking forward to the point where uh marvel unlimited runs out of uh issues or has
0: their has their
1: blank spots blind spots
0: well hopefully they'll you know start adding stuff in about the time you get there so Hopefully,
1: the thing of it is, is that usually that's dependent upon whether or not um, there's a Spider-Man movie on the way. And you know,
0: yeah.
1: maybe,
0: yeah, you you kind of have to wait another year or so for that.
1: So, well, the rate that I'm going, uh, it might, it might, we might, uh, if they do add it, will probably the timing might be just about right. Well,
0: stranger things have happened.
1: <laughs> this is true. if 2020 has proven that,
0: <laughs> Oh, I have to either laugh or cry, so just laugh. <laughs> I think both yeah. I think both is probably appropriate, probably so. So needless to say, folks, Greg and I both highly recommend this book. So there you go, Greg, you know, you're batting 50 now. Yay. So. Uh, can you let everybody know where they can find you online by any chance?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter. That's pretty much my, my major uh, hangout where you'll find me either posting about what comics I'm reading. I have do have, in this year, uh, I do have my random Marvel Unlimited reading pile where each day I will uh, – let Marvel Unlimited randomly pick out a comic. I read it and then I, you know, answer a few questions about it. You can also find me on the Pulp to Pixel Network, where Sean Ross and I have um, a new—I don't want to call it a series, just an ongoing thing—called the Never Ending Reading Pile, which is the the uh, the audio version of what I do on Twitter. It's just we he and I just pick a random comic um, that we both like. That's the thing is that we we come in we're like this is like this uh, episode with you Clinton it's just we make it a point that we he and I agree that we come to it with a a, a positive attitude about it because there's no no use in wasting everybody's time talking about a comic we don't like uh, we did that with the Secret Wars too. Um, and it's, we've got a couple under our belt, and we've got a couple things planned coming up. So that's that's the other place that you can find me online.
0: And I've definitely been enjoying the never-ending reading pile. It, it's a really fun show, and it's it, it does your heart good, folks. It really does to hear people just sit there and chat about a book that they found fun. And and the book
1: is half of it. I mean, not even necessarily half. Of it. We'll we'll go off on tangents
0: kind of like <laughs> this. It's just.
1: Talking, we had the, I think our most recent one, it was the Fantastic Four Annual. They all cut, everything kind of blurs together. And I think we spent maybe, you know, 10 minutes talking about the Annual and spent the rest of it talking about the Fantastic Four and John Byrne's run
0: on it. So. And I highly encourage everybody to follow Greg on Twitter because he posts up these cover comparisons of like X Men and Classic X Men, you know, trying to decide which one's better. And I hate to say it, Greg, but you're usually wrong. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. A, I don't vote,
1: but mm-hmm. B, if you think you're – because I can't, but if, um, but assume that I'm always picking the original, <laughs> which is always the correct – the always the correct uh, choice.
0: I, I think I've sided on the original maybe at most 20% of the time.
1: As this is an endless debate that I have with Sean, but but the the X Men classic covers to to point one to pick a specific ver- uh, comparison are nice pinups, but I don't think they make very good covers. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Plus, I feel like in, in many cases, Nostalgia is playing uh, heavily into it as well. For me and for everybody else, it's, if if Classic X-Men was your introduction to it, then that's probably where your, your fondness lies. Now, I'll agree with that pretty heavily because, yeah, that, that's where and a lot of mine comes from. To be, and to be fair, I ask not which one is better, which one do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Once again, thinking it positive. <laughs> Still, the original is the correct answer.
0: I'll concede to you, just because without the original, how do we get the other version? Fair enough. (laughs) Alrighty, folks. Well, this is where I have to, unfortunately, say goodbye to Greg to wrap this portion up. I'll have one more promo and be back with some listener feedback.
1: The world's strongest hero the warrior from a hidden island the master of super speed the wielder of the weapon from beyond the stars the champion of the seven seas they are the only ones
0: standing before a world beyond the brink of collapse their mission abolish war and crime eliminate poverty and hunger clean the environment cure disease even stop death itself they promise within a year to make the world a utopia no matter how many lines they might need to cross
1: coming soon to the pulp to pixel network the squadron supreme cast an exploration of mark Gruenwald's epic 1985 squadron supreme miniseries a look at the heroes the villains the fine lines separating them and how this miniseries continues to play an influence in mainstream superhero comics
0: Hey everybody, welcome back. This is, of course, the feedback portion of the show. But before I get into that, I just want to say I apologize for the lateness of this episode. I really meant to have this out a couple weeks ago, but August kind of got busy. So, sorry folks. Yeah, I dropped the ball on that one. That's on me. So, last episode, which... As you might remember, you know, seeming like it was eons ago, was the interview with Mike Barron. And it got Twitter likes and shares from Mike Barron, Scott Schmidt, Long Box of Darkness, Chris Leiden, Andrew at No False Prophet, Ross Michaud, Randall Andrews, Professor Frenzy, Green Lantern HG, Iowa's Joe Crawford. The Longbox Crusade, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Delvin Williams, Laurel at Mountainflower1, Kung Fu, David Humphreys, Dark Pegasus, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Weasel Skull, and Baby Skeletor. On Facebook, it got likes and shares from Mike Barron, Pat Sampson, Ivan Chudley, Bill Beer, Mike Peacock, Al Sadano, Jerry Green, Derek William Crabb, and Gene Hendrix. On Twitter, we got some feedback. Laurel wrote to say, Nice interview. Really wild variety of genres Mike Barron has done. Always love hearing how guests answer the coffee and comics questions at the end, and this episode was no exception. Thank you, Laurel. I do appreciate that. That was really sweet. Kung Fu says, what a fantastic interview. I loved it. I have two heroes I want to see make it to the big screen. The first is the Badger. The second is the greatest American hero. By the way, you have great taste in movies, Mike. I also have always loved John Borman. Let's forget Exorcist too. <laughs> yeah, yeah let, Let's let's definitely kind of put that to the side. Green Lantern HG wrote in to say, Great episode! Fantastic interview! Mr. Baron's Punisher run is one of my favorites. Frank definitely needed micro tri- <clears throat> excuse me, microchip. To this day, I still believe micro should be with Frank. But Marvel... Uh... And Jackson Zelda wrote to say, Love the interview, I'm so glad you left the last part in where his dog got wrapped around his mic cord. Oh, yes. Mike's dogs were hilarious. They need their own show. They really do. So, I think that will do it for the feedback portion. So, once again, I appreciate everybody sticking with me. And I hope you come back for the next episode. Because this is the place where... The comics are never too old, and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing Coffee and Comics at gmail.com, visiting the website at Coffee and Comics or on Twitter at Coffee Comics Blg.
1: And it's deceptive, but yeah, if you were to sum it up, yeah, you can do it in a tweet.
0: <laughs> yeah. S- Scorpion mad. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, fight Spidey. Happiness ensues. Hell, go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>